On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tesla's Q2 production and delivery numbers are in, and the news is once again good. Plus, a Plaid Model S goes racing up Pike's Peak and brings home a trophy, Tesla is formally opening up its superchargers in a couple of European countries, and more. What's happening, friends? Alongside Daisy the Boxer, I'm Ryan McCaffrey. This is Ride the Lightning, your weekly Tesla unofficial podcast for July 4th, 2021. Happy 4th of July to my American listeners. This is episode 309, and it is a good one because we got some good news from Tesla. There is uh, plenty to talk about this week, as usual, and I'll start right there. The Q2 production and delivery numbers are in after the quarter ended earlier this week, of course, after the 30th, so after Wednesday. And those numbers are, yes, another record quarter for Tesla. In their press release, they kept it short and sweet, saying, quote, In the second quarter, we produced and delivered over 200,000 vehicles. Our teams have done an outstanding job navigating through global supply chain and logistics challenges. End quote. That's it. And then they gave their numbers, and those numbers are as follows. 201,250 cars delivered, 206,421 produced. That is the first time Tesla has ever exceeded 200,000 on either of those numbers in a single quarter. Of those 201,250 delivered, 199,360 of them, or put another way, Exactly 99% were Model 3s and Model Ys. 1% of them were Model Ss. And I'm not even going to say and Model Xs because, of course, the X has not yet been back in production yet. So maybe there was one or two inventory Xs left over from, what, six months ago, something like that. It's entirely possible, but odds are that is 99% 3 and Y, 1% Model S, and 0 or 0.1% Model X. Now, for context here, again, 201-250, that's the delivery number. Q1, which was the previous record, was 184,800, and Q4 2020, the quarter before that, was 180,570. So Tesla continuing to break their own company record, upping their own ante. Now, this all was expected, of course. The Particularly, I'm, I'm referring to that breakdown of the cars delivered, the threes, the Ys, the Ss, and the Xs, because of obviously the Plaid Model S only just started initial deliveries starting on, what, June 10th was the Plaid launch event. And it's really just a few on top of that uh, of the long-range Model S, the non-plaid, but otherwise the new long-range S, just a couple of those, and I mean that almost literally, because I've been following everything closely on Reddit and in the community, and there have been a couple of deliveries of the non-plaid long-range, but they seem to be pretty few and far between, again, just within the context of Q2, those last few days when they started delivering them. Obviously, plenty more will come from now and into the end of time, but 
no new Model Xs again, obviously. No new Model Xs, plaid or long range there just yet, and we don't really have an ETA for those beyond uh, what's showing on the design studio, which is Q4. Uh, it's later October, November timeframe. Now, uh, something I just want to add to, for a little context on the success of this quarter, a Tesla employee who works in delivery logistics, let's put it that way, reached out to me on the last day of the quarter to tell me that at three o'clock, they were done. In the middle of the afternoon, they were done. There was no crunch till midnight to get every single car out the door. Like They had finished, which this contact interpreted to me as they'd hit their numbers and there was no need to just keep putting the pedal to the floor. They could ease back, let everybody go home, relax, and just knew they knew they had hit their numbers. That was this person's interpretation of it. As we were as we were exchanging notes about it, and sh- and sure enough, that employee has proven to be correct. That is indeed uh, what the case has been. They they hit their numbers. They hit a new record. They hit two hundred thousand. And uh, I, for one, applaud Tesla for granted at least at this particular region, this particular area. I can't speak for any of the other Tesla areas around the world, the other sort of delivery logistics teams, but at least in this one, and this person works at a major area. This is not one of the smaller areas. This person's at a major uh, major region that they were able to be done and call it a day at a, at a very normal time and not have to burn the midnight oil, as it were, <laughs> though we're talking about electric cars. I guess there's no oil involved. There's no burning of oil. But yeah, they did not have to work late into the night to try and get every last car to count every last tally for the quarter to make their numbers. They got there in the middle of the afternoon. So that is really, really great to see. Uh, also, by the way, as you know by now, if you've been listening to the show and following along with how Tesla handles things for a little while, we will get the actual financial numbers and the financial details in the earnings call and shareholder letter, which should happen based on Tesla's recent history. I am tentatively predicting that that will happen on Wednesday July 28th, give or take a couple days. It's usually been on the Wednesday, uh, like about three weeks, kind of at the end of the month, right after they report the deliveries, which obviously they've just done. But last time, of course, they went on a Monday for some reason. So we'll see. Can't predict it for sure. But tentatively, Wednesday, July 28th is probably the odds are that's when the uh, shareholder letter and the earnings call will happen. And on top of that, these days, we no longer really have to worry about if Tesla made a profit, but rather simply how much of a profit. I mean, look how far they have come in that department, in the ever crucial profitability department over the last few years. It's really pretty incredible. Now, looking ahead, Q3 of 2021 that we're just starting now, should almost certainly surpass Q2, barring any severe supply chain issues, which would thus set another record for the company for the, what, third consecutive quarter, because the, or maybe fourth consecutive, it'd be the fourth consecutive quarter if that's the case, because the the three and the Y should, as far as we know, keep chugging along at their current run rates, if not a bit higher so there's there's an optim there's a lot of reason for optimism in Q3, 
While in addition to that, the new Model S, both Plaid and Long Range, are going to ramp up in Q3, obviously, even, even if we still don't see the X in Q3. So there's, there's plenty of reason to believe that Q3 is going to be better than the Q2 here. And then in Q4, you have not only peak demand, thanks to the holiday season, that should help Tesla maximize their production and deliveries, but uh, the S should be at whatever its full production capacity is, spinning up the, the new Model S. And in Q4, as I noted there, the model, the new Model X should start delivering in Q4 as well. And just as a cherry on top, although the, the, that cherry will soon turn into a full platter of food to keep this ridiculous analogy going, we will uh, probably in Q4 have at least a handful of Model Y 2.0s of the new Model Ys coming out of Berlin and or Texas as well before those two facilities really start ramping things up in 2022. So all good news for Tesla on the quarterly production and delivery front. And again, stay tuned in a few weeks from now for the earnings call. I'll have, of course, my usual recap highlights and analysis from that. I listen and pour through the whole thing and boil it down for you so that you don't have to sit there and listen to the whole thing. Next up this week, a modified, fairly heavily modified Model S Plaid, uh, just physically modified, by the way, not performance-wise. It was not its performance was not really tweaked, but the body of the car itself and the suspension and what have you. But a, modif- a modified Model S Plaid, just I think it's safe to say it's not too much of a fanboy comment here to say that it destroyed the competition in the annual Pikes Peak Hill Climb race. Now, that modified Model S Plaid was driven by world-renowned driver Randy Popst, who you may remember from when I interviewed Randy here on this podcast after his run at Pikes Peak in a modified Model 3 last year. This time around, Randy was behind the wheel of a very tricked-out Model S Plaid, which was put together by the performance-minded EV Wizards over at Unplugged Performance. Randy and the black plaid, which, by the way, if you're curious, a Model S plaid in the color black. So Unplugged Performance named it Dark Helmet, which if you're if you're a fellow Spaceballs fan, you know exactly where that comes from. So they ran Pike's Peak, which uh, I should I should add here. If you're not familiar with it, it is a 14,000 foot elevation, high altitude mountain climbing race in which some wrong turns could literally send you careening dangerously off of the mountain. So this is not, this is a serious race. And the, uh, the S, the Mr. Dark Helmet, <laughs> if we want to refer to the car as a mister, I don't know, but the Dark Helmet ran it in six minutes and 57 seconds, which beat out the second place modified Acura NSX by, get this, 17 seconds that car clocked in at 714 so uh that is incredibly impressive here is randy popes reacting when he finishes his run and first gets out of the car and i want to thank the twitter account out of spec studios for posting this clip on twitter so here's randy just after he gets out of the car after finishing his run it was a good run. Awesome. We ran good. That's so great. Loads of power. 
took everything the Yokohama Slicks had to offer. Let me tell you, it, we have done a, uh, a little sway bar change to try to balance it better. I'm really glad we did. Uh, the brakes held up. Suspension was fantastic. Here's your time. Oh, 6.57. Okay. <laughs> Good work. Right, that's what we needed. Congratulations to Randy and equally so to everybody at Unplugged Performance who worked really hard and really quickly to get this car ready for this event. I'll tell you, you've got to Google this car to see just how much work that they did to it. The interior's gutted. They did suspension work, which you heard Randy allude to in the clip. They did body work. They did all kinds of stuff. Obviously not the drivetrain. That's just core of the car. The battery and drivetrain are stock, but... Uh, seeing the rest of it, it is really something else. And uh, as you can see too, or as you can hear, I guess, the plaid electric powertrain just did not care that the air was thin at that high altitude. It had power for days, and Randy is a professional who knew just how to put that power to its best use. I can't wait to see what Randy and the Unplugged team can do with a next-gen Roadster at Pikes Peak in, say... A year, probably more likely two from now. That could be something special as well. Next up this week, Tesla is planning to open some of its supercharging stations in Norway and Sweden to other electric cars next year. This comes via documents uncovered by Twitter user Otto Christofferson via Alex Avoit. And the document states via, and this is a Google translation here, uh, and a thanks to Tesla Roddy for have, posting this. Tesla applied to expand five fast charging stations. Tesla's charging stations today are just available for Tesla cars. The type of infrastructure is then only open for use by one group and not for the general public otherwise. Again, remember, this is a Google translation, so it's not perfect. In the application, Tesla describes the relevant charging stations will nevertheless be publicly available from the third quarter of 2022. The administration considers that the charging stations for which benefits have been applied for will be qualified under this, the plan, provided that the benefits will be paid out after Tesla opens the charging offer for all car brands no later than the end of September 2022, a.k.a. the end of Q3. The administration urges Vestland County Municipality to take note that the benefit can be abbreviated if the can well, I guess that part's not important, but the important part is that they're opening up to other automakers. And it appears that the same sort of thing is going on in Sweden, because that was the Norway bit that I just read to you. Now, this next part comes to a uh, from a report from Elbelin, a Swedish media outlet. Thank you, Kent Oland there. The Swedish Transport Administration is setting up funding to build more EV chargers in the country. However, in order to qualify for public funding, the chargers must be offered to all EVs and cannot be exclusive to one manufacturer. The Elbelin report states, quote, six of the stations that have been granted support from uh, TM Sweden AB, i.e. Tesla, their superchargers can only be used by Tesla's cars. This is not in accordance with the Swedish Transport Authority's rules for support, which state that it must be about public charging stations. Tesla has applied on these grounds and also certified in the application form when they ticked that box. We therefore assume that the charging stations they build will be public, says Hanna Ekloff from the Swedish Transport Administration. 
Now, I should note, for whatever it might be worth, that Elon Musk himself liked Teslarati's tweet when they when Teslarati tweeted that story out, and Elon threw a, threw a heart on there. So it seems as though, at least in Europe, Tesla is going to start opening up the supercharger network in, probably not coincidentally, the places that have the highest concentration of EVs, and also probably not coincidentally, the fact that there's some public funding involved here. And it makes more immediate sense, honestly, to do this in Europe versus, I'm not saying they shouldn't do it in America, that they won't, but in Europe, the CCS charging standard is much more prevalent across the EU than anything that we have here in the United States. In fact, you could argue that in the United States, Tesla's connector is the most common one in this country. I'm not sure that's technically literally true. It's probably not. But in Europe, for sure, the CCS standard is so prevalent that Tesla uses it on a lot of superchargers themselves. So if you pull up to a Tesla supercharger, you will find that on the plug. But let me end here by clearly saying good on Tesla, because this is only going to help grow the EV tent in Europe. That is the goal. That is a good thing for the automotive industry's push and really the entire world's push to electrification. So good stuff in Sweden and Norway. Not so good in New York City, however. The New York Taxi and Limousine Commission, a.k.a. the TLC, Taxi Limousine Commission, the TLC's efforts to block the deployment of 50 Model Y taxis from electric transit startup Revel were successful. So they were able to block it. The decision was finalized in a meeting where the New York Taxi and Limousine Commission voted to stop issuing new for-hire licenses for electric cars. Tesla Roddy wrote this one up and they said, the New York TLC's decision was passed with an overwhelming five to one vote. This effectively blocks Revel from launching its 50 Model Y taxis without breaking city rules. During the meeting, the TLC argued that Revel would still be able to operate its Model Y taxis provided that it buys 50 gas cars first and swaps their licenses for electric cars. This requirement was dubbed by Revel as, quote, the very definition of limiting market competition, end quote. TLC chair Aloisi Heredia uh, Yarmazuk doubled down on her stance during Tuesday's meeting, arguing that the new Model Y taxis could result in congestion. Quote, it is not sustainable to allow an unlimited number of new vehicles to the road in a city that is all too familiar with the choke of traffic congestion. What we will not allow is the opportunity for another corporation, venture capitalists or otherwise, to flood our streets with additional cars, end quote. Expressing his displeasure at the ruling, Revel CEO Frank Reig criticized the ban in a three-minute speech at the meeting. According to Rig, Revel's Model Y fleet is made up of environmentally friendly vehicles. He also highlighted that unlike Uber and Lyft, Revel hires its drivers as full-time employees with benefits. Quote, We're offering exactly what this commission has been asking for for years. Fair treatment and stable pay for drivers who are all W-2 employees with benefits and a plan to drive EV adoption in the city. 
he said. Well, this is clearly a real shame, as there are some Model 3 taxis in Manhattan already, as we've talked about before on the podcast, and the reports have been that those cars have been extremely popular from customers and extremely well-received in general. Uh, I, I have to admit here, I don't know New York that well. I've been there. I love New York. But as an outsider reading this report, it sure sounds like a microcosm of the battle that Tesla itself has been fighting since 2012. And by that, I mean this. The establishment is fighting to keep the upstart out. The upstart who has a different business plan than they do. And the fact that the commission's vote here wasn't even close, five to one, that tells me that the establishment has a pretty firm grip on how that particular industry is run in New York. I will definitely be keeping an eye on this one. Hopefully, Revel can and will keep fighting this. Next this week, Tesla Motors Reddit user T. Jabot posted, and then many others who have just recently taken delivery corroborated, the news that Tesla is now pre-installing paint protection film pieces on the lower section of the rear fenders in front of the wheels on the Model Y. Now, as you may know, because I talked about it on the podcast when it first appeared in the online Tesla shop, Tesla's been selling this as a $50 kit that you can buy and apply yourself for some time now. And I do, to be clear, I do recommend it for those of you with a Model Y that does not have this thing re- uh, pre-installed, I should, st- I should say, not reinstalled. <laughs> There's a P on the front because uh, it's... It is a tough spot. I mean, I'm, I'm physically on the car. So uh, not to rap, but for rocks and grime and things, because in certain climates, namely ones with winter climates, the grime and the grit kicks up on that rocker panel and can really wreak havoc on the paint. Even after just a few thousand miles, it does not take long. And as you all know, I mean, in general, I'm a very much a big proponent of paint protection film overall because it has already saved my factory paint job numerous times before my car has even turned three. I have, I have spent, uh, saved my factory paint repeatedly thanks to paint protection film. So in this case, I think it's great that Tesla is doing this. Uh, should they have been doing this all along? Probably. So I'm not going to sit here and say that this is some amazing benevolent thing, but I want it, you know, Tesla's doing the right thing now. So it's, there's no point in, you know, whining about what they did or didn't do before. They're doing the right thing here. I'm happy to see that. And again, uh, I definitely recommend getting that area protected for those of you with a Model Y that's not super brand new, that doesn't, didn't already come with this this uh, PPF section pre-installed for you. Let's move over to the Model 3 here. It has gotten its Consumer Reports top pick status back after it was taken away. This comes via Consumer Reports, who writes, the Model 3 has regained its status as a Consumer Reports top pick after independent tests proved the effectiveness of its new camera-based automatic emergency braking and forward collision warning systems. 
Earlier this week, the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety released the first evaluations of the new Tesla vehicles that use a camera-based system for the aforementioned AEB and FCW. Because of their performance, the Model 3 will once again get a Top Safety Pick Plus designation, which is the IIHS's highest safety award. The Model 3 temporarily lost its Consumer Reports Top Pick designation in May, after the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration indicated that FCW, lane departure warning, and two AEB functions, crash imminent braking and dynamic brake support, were not available on Model 3 vehicles built on or after April 27th, 2021, aka the camera-only cars, the non-radar cars. The IIHS also removed the top safety pick plus designation for Tesla Vision-equipped Model 3s built before May 1st, 2021 at the same time. Quote, Given the IIHS's recent evaluations of Tesla's new camera-based system on its Model 3 and consistent with CR's integration of IIHS ratings into our recommendations, Consumer Reports is restoring the car's top pick status, says Jake Fisher, Senior Director of Consumer Reports Auto Test Center. Well, it seems a bit silly to have all the back and forth here, But Consumer Reports is trying to, as they've done for decades, be an, if you will, I think it's fair to say, an independent ombudsman of the automotive industry, if you will. And I think, again, I think they've succeeded at that for many, many decades. I mean, in the past, Consumer Reports has constructively, that being the key word, constructively criticized Tesla at various points in the past. If you remember back to the Model 3 braking distance report, which resulted in Tesla taking a deeper look into that, and they were able to, and they did improve the braking distance by tweaking a software setting in the braking algorithm. So that was, that net positive result was as a result of Consumer Reports' constructive criticism. So, CR has shown that they will praise and they will criticize in equal measure as any particular car at a particular time warrants. And they've also shown that they will adjust their ratings up or down as they have done here, adjusting it back up. I mean, that's what I think that's good. Their ratings are not set in stone. I mean, remember the, on the, on the, you know, I just, just cited a, you know, if you will, a negative example, but of course it was a as I said, constructively critical example with the Model 3 braking distance. There was also, on the flip side, there was the Model S P85D, which broke their review scale. If you remember that, it scored over 100. I believe it was 103 out of 100 is what the P85D scored on Consumer Reports' test. So you take the good with the bad, and honestly, the way I look at it is, that keeps both Consumer Reports and Tesla honest. That's And that's really, I think, how it should be. Now, in this case, the vision-only system has been re-verified, and the Model 3 gets its top pick status back. So, good stuff. Good stuff from Consumer Reports. Speaking of the vision-only Model 3s and Model Ys, they've had a bit more functionality restored to them this past week, Emergency Lane Departure, Sentry Mode, and Smart Summon are all back, and the Autopilot Maximum Speed 
has been raised from 75 miles per hour to 80 miles per hour. Although it's worth noting, obviously there, it's still not quite at the radar equipped cars maximum of 90 miles per hour for autopilot. Still, I think it's really great to see that this has happened so quickly because some in the community, I think I talked about it at the time, and, and I think this is an understandable concern that they, they were a, a bit worried that it could be a while after how long it took uh, Autopilot 2 to catch up to the functionality of Autopilot 1 after Tesla switched to their own in-house system back in, uh, let's see, that would have been 20, late 2016. Now, granted, I realize that's that's a bit of an apples to oranges comparison. It's not completely fair. Those are those are pretty different systems and applications, but still, you get where I'm coming from on this. And the bottom line, good on the Tesla software team for getting this dialed in pretty quickly after after pivoting to the vision-only radar-free system. Finally this week, some good news for those of you in right-hand drive territories, the first right-hand drive Model Ys have now become available for order in Hong Kong. Thank you to Reese Jackson for letting me know. Point, he, he pointed this out. He, he sort of had me prep for it, said, it looks like this might happen this week. And I wrote back and said, thank you for the heads up. If it comes through, give me an update. He did that before I recorded. And here it is. All Three versions of the Model Y uh, are now available in Hong Kong, which is a right-hand drive market. It's the, you got the, and, and you're, you're probably saying, wait a second, all three? Yes, the long-range dual motor, the performance, and yes, the standard range Model Y is available for order in Hong Kong as a right-hand drive Model Y. Now, presumably, these cars are going to be made at Giga Shanghai. It's a much shorter trip to get them to Hong Kong if they're built there. And I would imagine that another major right-hand drive territory, that being the UK, shout out to all of my UK listeners, I would imagine they will get their Model Y right-hand drive once Giga Berlin is up and running. I, I can't imagine. It's possible. I, I should say I, I probably shouldn't word it as I can't imagine, but... I suspect it's more likely that the UK will start getting right-hand drive Model Y once Giga Berlin is up and running. Now, we, we've seen, I mean, Giga Shanghai has been sending standard range Model 3s to Europe for a couple of quarters now. So it's not out of the question that they might do the same with right-hand drive model. Uh, those, Of course, those are left-hand drive cars, but that doesn't really matter in this particular example. So... It's certainly possible that Shanghai could send out right-hand drive-wise to Europe, but uh, I suspect it's more likely that that, uh, Giga Berlin will facilitate both left-hand drive and right-hand drive Model Y once that factory opens up, which again is, is due to happen in the next five or so months. So keeping a close eye on that. That's everything I've got for you in the world of Tesla news for this week, but stick with me. Plenty of your excellent phone calls, your questions, your comments pertaining to everything in the world of Tesla are coming up in the Ride the Lightning hotline right after this. (music) 
your chance to be featured on Ride the Lightning is here in the Ride the Lightning hotline. If you've got a question, comment, or discussion topic for the podcast, give me a call anytime. There are two easy ways to call in. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record your question, please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less, and email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can take that same 90 second or less question and just call and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. You can call in anytime. It's toll free. The number is 1-888-989-8752. That's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Let's kick it off with Jason from nearby Oakland, California. Hey, my name is Jason. I'm from Oakley, California. I'm a new listener to the pod, and I really appreciate all you're doing. Uh, I wanted to ask, I really want a Model Y, and my wife and I have been test driving it with the touchless test drive, which has been a great experience overall. But my question is, should I wait? because I know Giga Texas is coming online and they're going to be producing those like new battery packs and the you know back end and front end, you know, whatever. Uh, so I just, I don't know. My thought is to wait to get the newer everything, but I don't want the price to go up wildly, and I would like the car sometime within the next six months. So anyway, uh, I just wanted to know your thoughts. Thanks a lot. Jason, welcome to the podcast, and I'm sorry, you said you're from Oak Lee, California, not Oakland. I apologize for not hearing that correctly at first, which, although interestingly, you're still in the greater Bay Area. Anyway, you're actually not too far from Immaculate Reflections. Uh, Anyhow, this is a very fair question that's come up before, but I am happy to give you my opinion on this. It comes down to some personal factors, I think. First, how old is your current car? Is that car still under warranty, extended or otherwise? If not, do you anticipate any major repairs or services being needed on it in the next year or two while you were to wait for a new Model Y 2.0? How much do you drive? Because then you can figure out how much you'd be spending on gas in that time versus the money you'd save by going with an electric car now. I mean, your decision can be influenced by any and all of those factors, and it also comes down to patience as well. Are you in a hurry to get something soon? If not, then sure, you can always wait it out. Uh, And yes, as you noted, the price might continue to inch up. However, the flip side of that is that not only are the 4680 cells with the structural battery pack coming, but the cars do just continually improve, usually on a pretty minor incremental basis. But still, it's a lot to consider. I hope that throwing all of that out at you here uh, makes you helps you make an informed decision as you consider your purchase. Thanks so much, Jason, and I hope you'll stick around the podcast for a while. Lawton from Chicago is next. Go ahead, Lawton. Hi, Ryan's Lawton from Chicago. Want to come on Tesla's removal radar for the Model 3 and Y is an excellent example of the benefits that come from the relentless approach to efficiency. By limiting radar, Tesla saves precious resources on full cell drive research and development. They no longer need to invest additional engineering time and effort on cataloging radar data and integrating to their neural nets. This should allow vision-based FSD to more quickly improve. By moving radar, they save money by limiting the cost of the part. This also simplifies vehicle production 
and removes a potential component bottleneck with a worldwide computer chip shortage. The removal radar also makes the vehicles themselves more efficient. The energy savings by nanning the power radar and weight reduction to further help vehicle range. The extra computing power gained by not needing the processing radar could also benefit neural nets for FSD. Tesla's continued commitment to efficiency from start to finish will go a long way towards maintaining their industry-leading profit margins and technology advantage. Thanks for an hour of Tesla fun and enthusiasm every week. Look forward to your thoughts. Always great to hear from you, Lawton. And I suspect that in time, you will be proven correct here. I mean, some of what you just said is fact, the reduction of cost and complexity. But as far as the actual user experience, I'm glad you brought this up because I've been reading reports of people who've taken delivery of the radarless threes or Ys over the past couple of weeks here. And so far, again, just right out of the gate, is that the overall takeaway seems that, again, for this moment, and this may not even be true by the time this airs with software updates, it's not quite as good as of a user experience as the cars with radar. The new ones seem to be a bit more conservative in their autopilot actions, and they seem to be suffering a bit in a harsh weather scenario, read rain. But Tesla was clear up front that these cars would be temporarily nerfed. I did the story about that, about them regaining some abilities earlier in the show. But they've also got a uh, longer follow distance. And then again, they're still not up to the, the maximum 90 mile an hour autopilot top speed. Remember, as I said, this isn't the first time that Tesla's made a major autopilot transition. When they had their their very public and bitter divorce, this is kind of the longer form version of what I was talking about earlier. They Autopilot One was in partnership with Mobileye. They had a pretty public, pretty bitter divorce, and they had to develop and release their own in-house developed system, which we call Autopilot Two. And it took actual years for the functionality to catch up in Autopilot 2 to where it was in Autopilot 1 before eventually surpassing it, of course, because Tesla had to write absolutely all of it from scratch, which is, again, what they're doing now in coding this thing to work without radar. Now, some in the community are, again, as I noted earlier, fearing something similar could happen. I mean, on their blog about this, which Uh, I read key parts of Allowed on the podcast here a few episodes back. Tesla had said, in the weeks ahead, we'll start restoring these features via a series of over-the-air software updates. And it's that weeks part that has some people in the community nervous that those weeks could turn into months or perhaps even longer. And, And again, as I said earlier, I think that is a valid concern, particularly for those people that have paid $10,000 for the full self-driving capability package. But to get back to your point, Lawton, the part of your call that excites me the most is Dojo kicking into high gear. That neural net being rewritten to learn data at a much faster and more efficient rate. It is going to be fascinating to see if we, as the customers, will actually be able to see a tangible improvement in how fast the updates and improvements happen. I mean, that has begun for new owners of the vision-only cars, and it's going to start for the rest of us pretty soon. So we'll just keep an eye out and root for root for Tesla to, to kick some major butt on this and, and uh, really accelerate this thing forward. John from Frederick is next. Go ahead, John. Hi, Ryan. John from Frederick. Uh, PSA for anybody looking to install the pedestrian speaker into their Model 3. The Model 3 performance built July 13th of 2019. 
scheduled Tesla service to come on out and install my pedestrian speaker. They came out yesterday, got the car apart. Step three of their procedure is to plug the speaker into the pigtail at the wiring harness. There is no pigtail in my wiring harness, so couldn't install the speaker. Come to find out that some Model 3s don't have this pigtail in their wiring harness, but they don't know it until they come out to try to install it. I was hugely disappointed. I had all my boombox settings set up and ready to go. Then I realized I have a first world problem. I can't make fart noises with my Tesla. So after I laughed at myself, I moved on. Hopefully, Tesla will offer an updated wiring harness for those of us in this situation. Like, here's to hoping. John, you've got the right attitude about it, that's for sure. I'm sorry you ended up getting that close to your upgrade, only to end up disappointed, but at least you saved a couple hundred bucks that you can now use to, you know, maybe treat yourself to a nice dinner or something. It's a good heads up to other owners who might want to get this done as well. Thank you very much for your call. Appreciate it. And let me go next to Evan from Indiana, the owner of a Model X. Hey, Ryan. Evan from Indiana. Long-time listener, first-time caller. I'll have to meet up with Carmel uh, Pete sometime, see if I can get together with him at Tesla Motors Club event at some kind. I had a quick question and thoughts on my 2017 Model X. I have full self-driving, have hardware 3.0, and with the new FSD 9 beta getting ready to roll out, hearing a lot of chatter about needing to have that interior cabin camera uh, facing uh, the driver, if that's going to be required for the new full self-driving beta rollout with Tesla Vision, or if there'll be some kind of maybe a, a retrofit kit that comes where we a new uh, camera is installed uh, near the rear view mirror to keep an eye on the driver. Just want to know what your thoughts are on that, and uh, thanks for the show. Always appreciate listening every weekend. Can't wait for each Sunday to, to hear the new uh, podcast come out. Thanks, Ryan. Talk to you later. Evan, thank you very much for your call. The short answer, which I can say with about 99%, but admittedly not 100% certainty, is you're all good. There's just no way you're going to have to have the cabin-facing camera, because that would omit all of the Model S and X owners up until now, up until the new cars, or require them to get a retrofit, and neither of those scenarios seems particularly likely at all. So I think you'll be golden. Don't worry about it. Hopefully that helps. And here's to the button materializing in our cars very soon. Daniel from Lawndale, California is up next. Hello, Ryan. It's Daniel again from Lawndale, California. I had the strangest thing happen to me this morning on my way to the dentist. So I have a Model Y that I purchased in March of 2020 that has software version 2021.4.18. And I use the one pedal driving style and hold feature when my car is stopped. So I just left my house and I was maybe a half a mile into my route when I came up to a traffic light with a few cars ahead of me. I started letting off the accelerator until the car came to a stop. I was on a slight upward incline and much to my surprise, the car begins to roll back. The brake didn't engage like it usually does, so I immediately jammed on the brake pedal, but to my surprise, it went soft and wasn't engaging, and the car continued rolling back. I tried pumping it a few times, but no luck. Fortunately, no one was behind me. I then applied enough pressure on the accelerator to keep the car in place, and that worked until the light changed and I took off. I was a bit nervous when I came up to the next light, but this time everything worked, and the brake pedal was engaging too. I was like, WTF, what just happened? I did do a bug report and noted the time as well. 
I made a few more stops before returning home and the issue never returned. I called my local service center in Torrance and talked to a tech. He hadn't heard of this happen, but said if I was feeling unsafe about driving it or if the problem happens again, to bring it in. I'm curious if you or your listeners have heard of this happening before. All right, Ryan, give Daisy a rub for me and have a great rest of the week. Daniel, that's a new one to me, but wow, that is a scary one. You really lucked out that there was nobody behind you. You're also, by the way, a braver person than I am. I think I'd have been too scared to do anything but pull over at that point and try rebooting the car. But obviously, I am glad to hear that the brake ghost in your machine went away as quickly as it arrived. And it sounds like your local service center responded appropriately as well, which is excellent to hear about. In fact, you did everything right. You reported it to your service center. You did a bug report in the moment. So hopefully somebody at Tesla studies that bug report because that is obviously something that Tesla does not want to have happen to anyone else ever again. Gil from San Diego wants to talk about the 4680 battery cells that will soon be occupying most, if not all, of the future. Well, not all of them, not the Model 3 for a while, but most of the upcoming Tesla vehicles. Gil, go ahead. Hey, Ryan, uh, Gil from San Diego. I w- we had a question the other day with a couple friends, and that is when Tesla moves to the 4680 batteries with the um, batteries sort of built into the um, car itself or the, or the undercarriage itself, how does it work when you need to replace the batteries? Um, you know, right now, I think the whole thing just kind of comes off and you can replace it. And I should note that I'm skeptical about whether or not you'll need to, re- most people will even need to replace the battery over the lifetime of the car. But it is a curious thing um, if, if you keep it a long time in, or if something happens and you want to replace it, if it's part of the uh, body. So I'm wondering if you've seen or heard anything about that or if they mentioned that at Battery Day. I just don't remember it. Thanks. Talk to you soon. Well, I don't know for sure yet, Gil, but I believe they'll still be able to get at individual cells, presumably through the bottom of the car by removing the protective plating that will no doubt be in place and be able to swap out individual 4680 cells. If you've seen the pictures of them from Battery Day or otherwise, you know that they're huge. They're way bigger than the 2170 cells and certainly a lot bigger than the 18650 cells. So there will be a much lower number of them in each car. So it's not like they'd have to swap out thousands of cells individually, which if you've ever seen uh, the Model S pack cracked open or even the Roadster pack, the original Roadster pack before that, it's crazy. There's just like, there's literally, I think there's, I used to have the number memorized for how many individual battery cells were in the original Roadster pack. I want to say it was something It was give or take right around 7,000. So anyway, that's neither here nor there. The the 4680s are, (laughs) they're much, much bigger than the the, uh, older cells. Anyway, uh, I can't answer for certain. And that that is definitely something that's going to be interesting to learn when Tesla finally does start shipping these into cars later on this year with the Model Y and then the Cybertruck after that. Thanks, as always, for your call, Gil. Let me go next to Adam from Indianapolis. Hi, Ryan. This is Adam from Indianapolis. Um, I listen to your show with my nine-year-old son, Travis, and my five-year-old daughter, Adrian. They love the podcast. We had a couple of um, things we wanted to touch base with you on. Uh, The first thing is thanks for the tip on the lumbar support. I had no idea my car had it, and I've driven it for 60,000 miles. I always wondered what that round button was. Um, Secondly, on my last software update, 
when my car woke back up from the software update, it uh, thought it was in Wisconsin, and I live in Indiana, and it thought it was on Central Time Zone. I restarted it. It then the GPS found the correct location, uh, but the clock is still wrong. I've restarted it several more times. I've pressed on the brake while I was restarting it. I've even driven to the central time zone and back, and it's staying on the central time zone. So I was wondering if anyone in the community could help. And I love your show. Thanks for your hard work. Hey, Adam, thank you very much for your call, and I am very glad that I could be of service with regard to the lumbar button. For your clock problem, I confess I've not heard of that one. It does seem odd to me that the car would know where it was on the nav, but still have the wrong time zone. Here's what you can try. You can try pressing and holding your finger on the clock in on the screen for a few seconds to see if that resets it. If not, then maybe you're going to need a service center visit to take care of this, because I'm not quite sure what else might be going on with it, but... But try that uh, that clock trick. I've I've been I've been told about that clock trick before for when you've crossed over into into a new time zone and it doesn't quite pick up right away. You can you can press and hold the clock. So try that. Hopefully it works. And thanks so much for calling in. Christian from West Virginia is a new Tesla owner, and Christian is up next. Hey Ryan, this is Christian from West Virginia. Summer is slowly creeping up on us in North America, and I have a question. Uh, being a newer Tesla owner, about uh, cabin overheat protection uh, and, and the most efficient way to use that uh, for my daily commute to and from work uh, in the uh, sweltering heat that some of us experience here in the U.S. Uh, I, I've had it enabled or on uh, since taking delivery of my car back in December, and I noticed through that in sentry mode, um, you know, a little bit of depletion in battery throughout the day while I was at work. Um, but I noticed there are some other options with no AC and then completely off. I'm just curious what the most efficient approach would be as to leave it off and then let the car kind of catch up and kick the uh, climate control into overdrive when you first get in the car. Is is it to leave it on no AC all day um, and expect just a a little bit of depletion throughout the day, but your car won't be so hot when you get in or, or to leave it fully on? I guess it's a matter of preference for how comfortable you want it, but I'm looking to kind of maximize uh, my range and efficiency of the car. So any insight you could share or anybody else would be greatly appreciated. Thanks. Take care. Christian, welcome to the podcast. Honestly, I would recommend trying them all to see what works best for you, but I suspect leaving it off entirely and then just turning on the AC from the Tesla app a couple minutes before you're ready to get back in the car is probably going to be the most efficient for you. And uh, I think that should work just fine. But Whichever way you go, I hope you enjoy the car, and thanks so much for calling in. Last caller this week, last but certainly not least, is Tom from Ohio, who finds himself in a bit of a conundrum after the Plaid Plus was canceled. Go ahead, Tom. Hi, Ryan. It's Tom from Ohio. wanted to talk to you about the Plaid Plus discontinuation and what I guess is ultimately a range conversation. I drive pretty significant distances for my job, and... I also, living in a Midwest state, am worried about losing range in the winter as well as losing some range due to driving at highway speeds. So when I saw the Plaid Plus come out with the 520-mile range, I said, wow, this should fix a lot of my issues. Now that that car's been discontinued, obviously I could stick with you know a conventional 
Model S and do more supercharging, but I'm concerned about not only the additional cost that that adds from an ROI perspective, but also the additional wear and tear on the battery that that causes. My other option is to keep my ICE car longer and hope that the ranges go up on the Tesla, or I suppose a third option is to go back to looking at something like the Lucid Air. Lucid Air is kind of an interesting car from a interior perspective, but I feel like you know, not only do they not have the charging network that Tesla has, but they also seem to be a little bit behind in technology such as self-driving. So just curious on what your thoughts are and uh, wanted to say thank you for everything you do for the community. Thank you for calling in, Tom. Uh, in my opinion, Lucid looks great. I've been to their headquarters just down the road from the Tesla factory, in fact. And I talked about that at the very end of one of the episodes back. It was in mid-September last year, if you, if you had not already heard that. Obviously, uh, Lucid's got great range that they're advertising, but the price is quite high. And more importantly, I would be wary of relying on a third-party charging infrastructure such as Electrify America or what have you until, until other Lucid owners do that real-world testing for you <laughs> and spend the money. It's not to say that it's going to be bad, but it's an expensive gamble if it ends up that using the Electrify America network is a either a lousy experience and or an unreliable experience, and that's regardless of the range of the car. I will say that I wouldn't worry at all about supercharging frequently if you do decide to go with a long range S. There is, at this point in time, a lot of data about the Model S in particular because it's been around the longest of Tesla's four current models. The bottom line, though, supercharging is not something to worry about with regard to the long-term health of the battery pack. Good luck in your shopping decision, Tom, and thanks so much for calling in and for listening. And thanks to all of you for calling in and for listening. Again, if you've got a question, comment, discussion topic related to the world of Tesla, give me a ring. I gave you the two call-in methods for that at the top of this segment, so refer back to those, and I look forward to hearing from you. But in the meantime, stick with me. I'm not quite done. I'll come right back with your pro tip of the week and a little bit more right after this. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. I guess this is the part of the show where I can take a little personal moment that's not necessarily Tesla-related, so I want to grab this opportunity to say congratulations to my Phoenix Suns at the <laughs> Arizona Pro Sports. We have been a long-suffering lot. I'm not saying we're the the worst sports city as far as how, how poorly the, the teams have done over the years, but Arizona Pro Sports is, uh, let's put it this way. So the Suns basketball team has not been to the NBA Finals since 1993. I was 12 years old. They lost to Michael Jordan and the Bulls. They've never won a championship in their 50-plus years of, of existence. The Arizona Cardinals football team has been in Arizona for 33 years now, never won a Super Bowl. They lost to the Steelers in 2009. The uh, Phoenix, actually now Arizona Coyotes NHL hockey team has never won a cup and really never really done anything in the playoffs while they've been in Arizona. And the Arizona Diamondbacks, my baseball team, they have the state's lone 
pro sports championship. No disrespect to the Phoenix Mercury or the Arizona Rattlers, but uh, the Diamondbacks in 2001 in one of the greatest World Series ever played over the Yankees. But that's it. That's it's that's 20 years ago this year. So the Suns have made it to the finals and I am ecstatic. I am so excited. So shout out to my my fellow Arizona sports fans, any of my Arizona listeners out there. Go Suns. I'm recording this. We're not sure who we're playing yet, whether it's going to be Milwaukee or Atlanta, but they're, they've got a legit shot there. With all due respect to Giannis and to Trey Young, there's no Michael Jordan standing between them and a title. There, there's great players, but there's not the greatest player of all time. So it's going to be fun to watch here as the NBA season comes to a close. Anyway, uh, Netflix, you're, you're, you're an entertainment recommendation. Hey, here's a fun show that I found I've been watching, having fun with on Netflix. Pacific Rim the Black. If you ever watched Pacific Rim the movie, the Guillermo del Toro film, really fun movie with just giant Jaegers, just super giant robots battling super giant monsters. Well, there's a there's a kind of anime style cartoon, like animated series on Netflix called The Black, which is really good. So recommend that if you need something to watch. All right, back to Tesla. Pro tip of the week time. Here is Jim from Seattle with a tip about the music player. Hi, Ryan. This is Jim from Seattle with a pro tip. Uh, to share with the listeners. This is something I discovered by accident the other day regarding the music player. Normally when I'm driving, uh, I have the music display uh, as a single bar across the bottom of the map area. Uh, And when I want to change stations or find a different podcast or something like that to listen to, what I would normally do is I would drag it up using my finger with a sliding motion. I would drag it up to the half-height display and then I have to drag it up further uh, to get the full uh, display. Uh, and doing that while you're driving is difficult because it's a, a small target to hit and it's kind of a fine motor skill that you have to do while you're trying to concentrate on the, on the road. And even with autopilot engaged, you still don't want to just take your mind away from driving. But what I found was instead of doing that sliding motion, if you tap on the thumbnail on the left-hand portion of that single bar, then it will toggle up to the half-height screen. If you tap it again, it will toggle up to the full-height screen. And then the major win that I found was from the full-height, if you tap it, it toggles directly back down to the single bar display. This was fantastic to find because I would have to previously drag down and it would only go down to half height and drag it down again, and then it would go down to the single bar display. And while I'm driving, that's very difficult to do. It's a very fine motor skill, and I would almost always hit the wrong button. I would skip ahead or select some other kind of play mode. So just tapping on that thumbnail goes from full screen display down to a single bar display. It's fantastic. So I just want to share that. Hopefully other people might find it useful too. Thanks, and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you, Jim. You know, I think this was one of the very first pro tips that I played however many years ago that would have been that I started doing the pro tip portion of the podcast, but it's such a great one that I'm happy to play it again because it is indeed exceptionally useful. There's always, I'm always of two minds with repeat pro tips because on the one hand, longtime listeners, you know, I want to be respectful to them and they've heard, heard it before. But on the other hand, there are always a lot of new listeners or if even if you've been a listener but not an owner and then you become an owner, 
it's suddenly that that pro tip takes on a, maybe a new significance, a new meaning for you. And on top of that, at least I can speak for myself and say that some of these quote unquote older pro tips, I will forget about them over time. And then when a caller calls in and, and mentions it and, and I listen to it and play it and I go, oh yeah, I forgot about that one. So I, I hope that uh, folks find these pro tips useful, even if they are ones that I've played like maybe two or three years ago. So thank you, Jim, because yeah, that one is a particularly good one. The Tesla UI designers definitely get big points for that little shortcut. If you've got a pro tip of the week, please send it in. It, go, it comes in the same way that the regular hotline calls come in. So refer back to earlier on the podcast for the instructions there or refer to the show description on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Just look in the, the body text that accompanies this podcast and you'll find the call-in info there. And with that, I want to start by mentioning the friends of the podcast. Uh, let me actually start, if you wouldn't mind. We're starting the second half of 2021 already. We've already, I can't believe one half of 2021 is gone. Uh, it's been a good one for Tesla. It's been a fun one for this podcast. Let me take this opportunity to remind you about my Patreon. That is the primary way through which you can voluntarily choose to support the podcast. You can find my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Podcast. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And again, it is it is a way, Patreon is a vehicle through which you can support creators you like, whether it's authors or musicians or poets or, in my case, podcasters. Uh, this is, you know, I, I put in the work every single week here and I, I try to take a lot of pride and I take a lot of, I take it very seriously, as I hope comes through, even though it's a it's a fun podcast. I want it to be enthusiastic and enjoyable and something that you like spending an hour doing. But the actual act of making this is not easy every week. It's it's a lot of time, a lot of energy and research. So uh, if you're able, willing at some point, whether it's today, whether it's next week to support me on Patreon, you can do so starting at the just the, the base tier is five bucks a month, the sport tier, or you could do the uh, pay once for a year option to back me, and you even get a, you get a 5% discount if you do it that way. And with, with each successive tier, there are little perks and bonuses that stack. You, so the higher you go, you get all the perks and bonuses. So I, I, that's all I want to humbly request that, you know, maybe, maybe today, maybe soon, you might want to back me on Patreon if you enjoy this podcast, if you get a lot out of it. And also, uh, now some external friends of the show. First up, abstractocean.com. Don't miss their just warehouse full of awesome aftermarket Tesla accessories. Whether it's center console wraps, whether it's uh, dash wraps as well, if you don't like the look of your white ceramic interior uh, dash trim if you have the white interior or the wood grain if you have the the black interior so they've got wraps for that there are the wraps for the center console these uh, tempered glass custom fit screen protectors the drop-in cup holder stabilizers the rear footwell lighting kits the just brighter interior lighting kits all that and much more can be found at abstractocean.com and go there, shop around, pile everything you want into your cart and use the coupon code 
RTL podcast at checkout to get 15% off of your first order. And that RTL podcast code is all one word. Meanwhile, everyamp.com slash RTL is the home of the snap plate. That is the front license plate bracket for people like me that don't like front license plates, but you got to do it. Some of you out there, depending on the state you're in, you got to do it. They've got a snap plate for all four Tesla models. So don't hesitate, whichever Tesla you're driving, everyamp.com slash RTL. The ones that Tesla gives you with the car in terms of, as far as the Model 3 and the Model Y go, use an automotive tape adhesive sticking to the front of the car that the very thought of that makes just sends shivers up my spine. So if you got to do it, don't use that one. Just spend a few bucks. It's not too much. Grab a snap plate, everyamp.com slash RTL. It can go on and off in seconds, but it goes on securely. It won't touch the paint, won't damage anything, won't get in anything's way. Uh, who else? Ah, of course, Immaculate Reflections here in the greater San Francisco Bay Area. What an amazing detailer Jeff at Immaculate Reflections is, and an even more amazing human being. He has taken such great care of me and my car as I, I'm i getting near my three-year anniversary with my car. It'll be at the end of the month. will be my three-year. So thank you to Jeff for always taking such good care of my car, which I have dubbed the Spirit of Adventure after my favorite Pixar movie, Up!, and he can take care of your car too. Whether you want to do ceramic coating so that you don't have to wax the car for the next few years, whether you want to do paint protection film to protect it from those those rocks, those those dings, those de- the debris, all that stuff, the PPF will do a good job, give you a nice shield as it has for me. Maybe you uh, perhaps also or alternatively want to do paint correction to get your factory paint finish looking as perfect as it can possibly be. All that and more, just uh, take a look on his website, and that's also how you can reach out and get in touch with Jeff to book in with him. That website is irdetailing.com. Mention that you are a Ride the Lightning listener, and there's a nice little discount waiting for you. Meanwhile, puretesla.com slash RTL, your one-stop shop for your Sentry and dash cam needs. Go there. Choose either the 128 gigabyte kit for $49 or the 256 gigabyte kit for $69 and just buy it. PureTesla.com slash RTL. It's free shipping. It comes formatted and ready to go right into the package. Just plug it straight into your car and you are done. You will not have to worry about not having a dash cam or sentry mode. Uh, It will be reliable. It's going to work. It's micro SD based, which is designed for that kind of work. So grab it, puretesla.com slash RTL. I'm a big fan. I use it myself. And then finally, the Jada line of products, the Jada tray being the new one and along with the Jada USB hub console, which is basically all their stuff in one. There's also just the USB hub separately. There's also the wireless charging pad for older Model 3s as well, which I, I qualify for. I use their wireless charging pad and I love it. I just got the Jada tray and I'm actually, uh, I'm really liking that too. I was kind of indifferent. I hope they don't hear this and take offense. I was, when they were nice enough to send me one, I was like, okay, I'll take it. Let's put this in. But you know what? Now that it's in the car, like it looks good. It fits perfectly. 
it it can charge your your smart watch. It can charge your uh, AirPod case, your AirPods or your Pixel Buds. And it just does a nice job of organizing things in there. So I've, I've become a big fan of that. Anyway, whatever you're going to grab, use the coupon code RTL for a nice discount on that. And when you're shopping there, please use my referral code because full transparency, if you do, they'll throw a couple bucks my way for the sale as sort of a nice referral thing. So my link to use, please, is getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. And Jada is spelled J-E-D-A. That will bring me to saying hi and thank you to the Patreon supporters at the Plaid, Maximum Plaid, and Roadster and Space Tiers. Although I guess I should mention real quick, if you're interested in following me on social media, certainly not a requirement, but if you like me and want some more of my words and opinions, on Twitter, it's admittedly mostly video games, so if you don't care, totally understand, no worries. But uh, it's my same handle in both places, both Twitter and Instagram. Instagram is all Tesla. It's all Tesla all the time. So I'm at DMC underscore Ryan on either Twitter or Instagram. So the Maximum Plaid, Roadster in Space, and Plaid level Patreon supporters. Thanks to all of you. Let me start with the Plaid crew this week. They are George Cassioppo, David Brander, Alexi Heft, uh, those, I'll tell you, those folks, even Logan Willis, Jason Chalukas, Tim Hyde, these are some people that have been very kindly supporting me for a super long time. So thanks to all of you, particularly. Uh, where'd I leave off? Eric Randolph. Uh, did I say Peter Chalet? David Nondahl. Jerry and Mary Smith. Joel Sapp. Dory and Steve Guberman. Jeremy. Tesla Owners Taiwan. Ron Lee. John Cody. Charlie Gillespie. David Perella. Sunil Joseph. Dennis Peak. Stig Mickey Jensen, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, The Lydia Family, Michael Regal, Aaron Altshul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, Noel and Lucy Murphy, The Tesla Owners, East Bay Club, Paul Casarino, Ryan Natchett, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Travis Krenzel, Matt Nixon, The Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, Jonathan Zelezny, Joshua Walker, and Rick Dean. Thanks to all of you for your plaid support. And then the Maximum Plaid crew, I want to say hello and thank you to Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, John Schmidt, Stan Roth, Howard Anthony Smith, Charles Galpin, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Ulrich Lassa, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisneski, Gil Cabrera, Hay Watley, Eric Brown, Mark Eversole, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, MT, Will Stedman, Tyler Smith, Mait Suaru, Derek Nesselrote, Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, and Alex Brem. Thank you all very much. And finally, the Roadster in Space tier backers, a sincere thanks to Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, my friend on Twitter at Rodam, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, Scooter Ward, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, and Crafty Geek. Thank you all very, very much. And that will bring us to the end of episode 309, another fun week of Tesla news. I hope you enjoyed the podcast this week. 
Daisy the Boxer enjoyed it enough that she was snoring, not just sleeping, but actually snoring through most of it. So in any case, uh, happy 4th of July weekend again to my American listeners. Stay safe out there, but have a good time. And I hope you're able to to spend it safely with friends and family this year. Uh, I am looking forward to a nice relaxing weekend myself. And then from there, the NBA Finals. Yes, Phoenix Suns. Cannot wait. Anyway, for that snoozing Daisy the Boxer, I'm Ryan McCaffrey. This was Ride the Lightning 309, and I will see you back, of course, same time next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.